there and welcome to The Telly Show. Fiona Flynn here, TV editor with entertainment.ie. My guest this week is TV hypnotist, mentalist and brain hacker extraordinaire, Keith Barry. He joined me to chat about his new stage show, Deception, which you can catch in lots of different venues around the country at the moment. But Keith has also been entertaining on the box for years with his first show, Close Encounters with Keith Barry, and most recently, You're Back in the Room, hosted by Philip Schofield, as well as a load of shows stateside on the likes of CBS and MTV. Keith chatted about all this and more in our interview and well and truly found his way inside my mind, plucking out a piece of information I hadn't thought about in a very long time. Take a listen. Keith Barry, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. I have to admit, I'm slightly nervous having you in studio here because normally I kind of feel like I'm in control, but I kind of feel like you're already inside my mind somehow. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's only people who have got hidden thoughts that they don't want revealed oh, to really? get nervous around me. So she has a lot of naughty thoughts inside that brain. Of her already I'm like, on. every single possible thought I shouldn't be thinking is <laughs> yeah, going to. Lots of going on, yeah. <laughs> um, what I actually was curious about, though, is like, in your personal life, do you find that people are nervous around you? Like, you know, your friends and family, mm. do they feel like you're kind of hacking into the brain? Or are you able to just shut it off once you're around? Well, something really bizarre happened lately, and this is... Uh, Gospel truth. Yeah. I was in the Glen Royal Hotel in Maynooth with the new tour Deception. And it was just the second night of the tour. And I do this thing where I basically get the whole audience to close their hand and get them to imagine that there's super glue being poured around their hand and their, their hands are being stuck together. Right. And really what I'm looking for is a suggestible person for the next routine. So out of an audience, about 500, about 50 hands get stuck. Okay. So about 10% of the audience. And yeah. I nearly cried with the laughing because I looked into the audience and there's my mum with her hand stuck for the first time in my <laughs> 42 years. My mum, and she had to stand up when we got her on camera and everything. And it was real. I mean, my mum's hand was really stuck. So I'm like, and, she, and then of course, the next day I looked at her and said, you know, I can take control of you anytime I want now. <laughs> and she's like, don't look at me. And I'm like, my, so my own mother won't even look at me in the eye anymore. Yeah, and yeah. then besides her, really it's only, so my wife is a psychologist, so she kind of knows that what I'm doing anyway. That must be interesting. Yeah, and you know, then uh, I suppose one of my best friends, Dave, he's a bit nervous of the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it says more about him than me, to be honest. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting in that, like, I was reading that you tried it on your wife when she was going into childbirth. Well, I did it, yeah. 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 yeah, well, we did it for the, first, uh, the birth of her second child. Yeah. It's called a hypnobirth. It's actually a thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was very successful. She didn't have any epidural or any uh, pain medicine and just used hypnosis as the technique to reduce the pain, you know. Yeah, yeah. And where did you, um, how did you get into magic and hypnosis? How did this, like, begin to happen for you? Or how did you even realise that you had this talent, I guess, well, for Well, to cut a long story real short, when I was five, because mm. this isn't up online, a lot of people think I got into it when I was 14. I mean, that's part of the story. Story, but I actually got into yeah. it when I was five from a Paul Daniels magic set. And then I'd be, I suppose young people out there wouldn't even know who Paul Daniels is, but he was the foremost entertainer and magician is, yeah, uh, way amazing, back in yeah. the 80s, you know. Mm. And so it kind of spiraled out of control from there. We'd get magic sets every year for Christmas. And then when I was 14, I got a really good book on magic called the Klutz Book of Magic. Learned every trick out of that book. And then ultimately went out and started performing in the public eye straight away. Yeah. And then, but a year later, got a pamphlet on hypnosis, uh, practical Practical Hypnosis was the name of the book. And that's when I started studying hypnosis. And then later on, when my girlfriend then, who was my wife now, when she was studying psychology, I would read all of her psychology books yeah. and then mix the whole lot together. So yeah. uh, that's kind of it. And as you're saying there, do you find people are more susceptible than other people? 
Yeah, I mean, everybody has the ability to go into hypnosis. Yeah. You just need intel intelligence and imagination, really. Yeah. Uh, and most people have those. But, you know, ultimately, you have to want to be hypnotized to go into hypnosis. Uh, you know, in this particular show, I know we'll be talking about it in Deception, there actually isn't really any hypnosis at all. It's uh, a mixture of magic, uh, mentalism, and, you know, small amount of suggestion in there. So, uh, you know, with this show, it doesn't really matter too much. With other shows, you know, you have to make sure you pick the right candidates in yeah. order for them to, to go into hypnosis. And look, if you really don't want to be hypnotized then you can't be hypnotized you right know? yeah so there's a certain amount of free will involved with yeah anyway. absolutely yeah yeah and tell us about the new show then deception the core of it i know is something originally i read to do with the jonestown massacre so it's kind of a dark core to it but leads into i guess how yeah. we all are deceived nowadays yeah people get a bit scared when they hear about the jonestown yeah. massacre you know <laughs> i know that's just one like one kind of seed that's brought well, what i like thing. about my shows is look my, my job is transform people into a world where anything and everything can happen so 90 percent of the show is to make people laugh first yeah. and hopefully be fooled badly as well. So it's all purely for entertainment. But then there is a little bit of takeaway as well insofar as, you know, how can one person uh, deceive so many? And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about cults and cult leaders. Yes. And yeah, the Jonestown Massacre, for anybody who doesn't know, is basically whereby in 1978, Jim Jones convinced 900 of his followers to drink Kool-Aid, which ultimately was laced with cyanide. And they all died. And now the question is, and they all knew there was cyanide in the Kool-Aid. So how could one person deceive so many to take their own lives? And based out of that, I perform an acid Russian roulette style experiment in the show where uh, I pour a glass of sulfuric acid and a glass of water. They look identical. Uh, like we show that it's sulfuric acid with a chemical reaction on stage. Yeah. And ultimately I pour a glass of each and they get spun on a lazy Susan. So nobody knows which one is which. And then ultimately the question is, by the end of the show, will one person out of the audience drink? And uh, I, I can tell you, <laughs> nine times out of ten shows, people have drank. Really? Yeah. And obviously, they've been okay, and they've drank the right one. And there's a whole there's a whole question of how they're figuring out which one is which yeah. in their own mind and stuff. But before that, you see a lot happens. So yeah. I don't want to give too much away. But like at the end of the show, that person who's invited to drink, uh, you know, I they become my puppet, and I'm like a puppeteer, and they I literally take control of their mind, body, and soul, just like a cult leader would yeah, um, yeah. towards the end of the show and people in the audience kind of freak out at that moment that's the 10% freak out moment because yeah, I, yeah. I like pe pushing people through all kinds of different emotions in the show yeah. you know there, another moment in the show is based on the greatest deception artist probably of all time but certainly of the 20th century uh, Doc Shields now Doc is still alive he's 80 he lives down in Kenmare and mm. he taught me some of his deception so he's the guy behind the Loch Ness Monster he took the most famous photograph that was ever taken of the Loch Ness really? Monster wow. he's also behind well he won't admit this but I know that he's behind crop circles because he, he crop circles originated in Cornwall right around the time that Doc they was did, in his yeah. teenage years. So he's the greatest deception artist, hoaxer, trickster of all time. Mm. And he taught me this demonstration that I do in the show mm. where I get people thinking of information that I couldn't possibly know. And then my job is to hack into their brains and figure out that information. I mean, for example, I want you to go back and think of your very first kiss for me. Okay. Now, when was the last time you thought about this person? Oh, like a long time ago. Long time ago. So yeah. in, I suppose, the psychic world, very often they use an object. Sometimes it's uh, like a crystal ball, which I actually use in the show. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I explain how I use it. And other, <laughs> I'm other, already nervous. Other psychics use like uh, tea leaves. So I've got just grabbed a Barry's tea bag from outside here. And I want you to put out your left hand palm up for me. Okay. Put your other hand on top of that. Good. 
and just close your eyes just for a moment and I want you to go back and remember your very first kiss okay like a romantic kiss and I want you to imagine this person in your mind <laughs> and uh, obviously it was more enjoyable for you than him because you're smiling right now a bit of a slobbery mess it was but uh, just go ahead and open up your eyes open up your eyes and I'm going to take the tea bag now and imagine that energy going into the tea bag so just open up your hands yeah. I'm going to take the tea bag uh, you can put your left hand down but keep your right hand out like this like put this. your left hand down left hand can go oh, down yeah. okay good and I'm just going to pour the kind of leaves or the grains of the tea onto the back of your hand just for a moment just like this yeah. and by the way this is falling on your hand it should give me some clues as to the name of this first kiss now bearing in mind there's lots and lots hundreds if not thousands of different names so as I stare into the into the way that's landed there's definitely now notice this I don't want to touch this at all but notice the way it's landed okay yeah. looks like a, clump, a clumpy mess but facing you can you see that that's an A there yes yes yeah, you can yeah. see that right so there's an A in his name is there not Yes. Yes, there is a name in his name. Now, just kind of, I can see, I can also see there's there's two letters the same, and, and I can see that better than you. Is there two letters the same in his name? Uh, yes. Yes, there is. Just go ahead and give that a shake. Just go ahead and shake, shake. Keep shaking, keep shaking, keep shaking, keep shaking. Ah, interesting. Look, 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 look. If we turn this towards the camera there like that, that looks like a D and a D to me. Is there two Ds in his name? Yes. And you can see, I mean, you can see that right there, two Ds, yes? Yeah, yeah. And, and I want you to know that's not glued there. So just brush that off with your other hand. Just br- it'll just come right off. <laughs> oh, my God. Witchcraft. Okay, so there's a D, a D, and there's also an A. Just look at me, focus on him. Don't say anything out loud. Go back to that moment. Uh, there was other people around. I'm also sensing there was a V, uh, roughly. Are you thinking of David? Yes. Yes? <laughs> David, give her a call. Wherever you are. N17 at Kilshima. <laughs> I know Kilshima very well, actually. Do you? Yes. And Bally You Hornus. were there. This is the long game. You played the long game. And Bally Hornus, yeah, I, know, yeah. I know those places very well. Um, so, that yeah, is, stuff like that. That is gas. That is. Because I, I was saying before, I've never had any kind of magic or any kind of hypnosis done on me. So, it's not that I was skeptical, but it's just. But that is actually. Well, we'll do some magic crazy. again in a few minutes. I've yeah, got a, yeah. a deck of playing cards there. We'll I'm get to those. after that now. <laughs> Some male lad called David now will be like, what? Yeah, yeah. And so, so the thing is, so in the in the live show in Deception, what I actually do is get people to think of questions right. that they couldn't possibly know the answer to. And the questions are hilarious every night. So like one night, uh, one of the questions was, will the parlour be opened before calving? I still don't know what that means, by the way, but that was yeah, a question yeah. that somebody just had in their mind. Uh, another question was, how many screws have I got my left leg? So it turns out, out that this guy, his mother had ran over him in the car and busted up his leg so badly that he oh ended up having to have eight screws. So my job is to figure out the questions that people are thinking of yeah, and yeah. then sometimes pose the answers to those questions. And of course, it's all randomised. We do a lottery procedure so everybody knows there's no stooges or plants. Nothing yeah, is set up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's really entertaining, you know. Yeah, and your skills have taken you all the way to Hollywood now. You've been working on the set of, we're hopefully going to be working on Now You See Me 3, I think, or you will be working on it. Yeah, it's Solomon the writer. He was just out at my house recently. Yeah. And uh, he was in the back garden, uh, you know, taking calls on Now You See Me 3. So I'm just waiting for at the right, you know, I only come in at the time when they need to inject all of the magic in. Right, they okay. come up with the, the rough script first. Uh, when uh, saying that on number two, uh, I was on right from the very start. Right. Uh, yeah. But number three is definitely happening probably mid this year, I would say I'll jump on board. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that as well. Look, yeah. it's a different... What it, is that like? It must be a whole different um, scenario from what you're used to, is it? Absolutely, or? yeah. It's a lot of fun though. You know, uh, for me, I kind of pinch myself when I'm at Hollywood working with, you know, amazing actors like Morgan Freeman, Woody Harrelson, 
you know, all, you know Jesse Eisenberg, and it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and you know, especially with number two, because I worked on the script for twelve months with Ed Solomon, and then I was on set in Longcross Studios in London yeah, for all yeah. three months. Um, and what's exciting about it is that I get to, you know conceptualize, visualize all of the different magic scenes mm. and then go to the props department and say, okay, I want a cabinet built the size of the room and here's some rough dimensions I drew on a napkin and then three days later I go back and they've got this huge, mad, crazy contraption designed. Uh, and then you're know, working with the stunt team, you know, and now you see me too, I thought it'd be interesting. Uh, I'd never seen it in a fight sequence before yeah. where you know, a, a cop or anybody would uh, breathe fire on a baddie and set him on fire using fire breathing as a technique. So then, uh, you know, we came up with that and then I, I decided to go learn fire breathing. So I learned fire breathing. I taught at the stunts department. So I have all this footage on my phone that I yeah. can't, I can't release anywhere. But of me breathing fire onto uh, stuntmen and stuntmen going on fire and falling off buildings and all that kind of stuff. That's and then ultimately going up to Mark Ruffalo and saying, Mark, you up for learning some fire breathing? And he was. And then I taught him fire breathing and that ended up in the movie, you know. Amazing. And you've done some incredible stunts. I mean, not just that, but like so many over the years. And you've had one or two close calls, one on the Olympia, one on the... What was the show, the TV3 show? Oh, yeah, the, the Brain Brain Because I remember watching that one and really, really panicked yeah. for you. So, I mean, how nervous were you or were you always kind of aware that this was going to work out? I, but no, I, I think sometimes people look at this stuff and go, well, you know, is it real? Is it not real? I mean, it's mm. as real as, as what you're seeing. Yeah. So with Brain Hacker, I froze myself in a ton of voice for, I think it was 43 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was, the idea behind that was to induce a near-death experience and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, you know, I was really genuinely sick for six weeks after that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I won't get into detail, but just when I say sick, I mean really sick. And uh, went to the doctor, got the bloods done. The bloods actually came back Christmas Eve that year. And ultimately, I, uh, it was fine. But my doctor reckons my kidneys had shut down for a couple of weeks. And they, it took them the six weeks to recuperate. So by the time I got the bloods done, they were back to normal. But yeah, he reckons yeah. my, my kidneys had shut down. Then in the Olympia, I was tied in a 100 foot of rope by two random audience members. Uh, that was part of the trick, of course. And then they wrapped my head in cling film so I can't see or breathe. And that one night, it turns out one of the guys on stage, he was a sailor and he knew all kinds of weird sailing knots. Oh, no. and, and it was finding it really difficult <laughs> to get out. And then I fell over in the chair and I, very often I would fall over in the chair, so it's no big deal. But mm. this time when I fell over, I, I winded myself. And when I breathed in, I breathed in a mouthful of cling film because my head was wrapped in cling film and it just passed out on stage. And that was the end of that show. And, uh, you know, I, like I'm going for an MRI next week on my rib cage because apparently I've got a torn muscle underneath my rib. And that was from um, the New Year's Eve special for RTE where yeah, yeah. I was holding my breath underwater for a minute, 40 seconds. I can actually hold my breath sometimes for longer than that. But when you're cramped over in a very small box like that, you can't fill your lungs to the capacity that you need to and ultimately just from pushing it for so long I've ruptured a, a muscle there so look I've had loads of scrapes and grazes but it's par for the course when you're yeah, doing this yeah. so it doesn't really bother me too much Just yeah. you just have to look after all this stuff you know. and is there any uh, massive escape that you still really want to try or that you're a bit nervous not even nervous of but you're just thinking one day I'll do that yeah there is actually so I came up with this concept years ago and I still mm. haven't gotten around to doing it but I need the right budget I need the right I suppose, platform to do it. But ultimately, I love the idea of uh, going up in a plane to whatever it is, 30,000 feet, uh, having uh, somebody reputable there, whether it's a local sergeant or whoever it is, Mm. but ultimately getting a regulation straitjacket and like slightly oversized because it needs to go over the parachute. Yeah, yeah. uh, but putting the straitjacket on over me and the parachute and then getting pushed out of the plane. And the whole idea is having to escape a parachute midair, 30,000 feet in order to release the parachute. That's the one that That'd I That would be do. incredible. That's yeah. like point break stuff. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's mad. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, 
you know, if a latch gets stuck or anything happens, you know, you're plummeting all the way down. Yeah. But that's the one that it, I think I still, yeah, I still really want to do it. And yeah. I, I, you know, my sister, just because of that, and I was talking about this last year, Christmas, this year, my sister got me a, um, a voucher for a parachute jump. So that should be the start of the process because I'll probably have to obviously learn uh, free falling and all that kind of stuff myself. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so I better do a first parachute jump just as a starter. You should probably just do a normal you know one I mean? first, Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get your bearings yeah. with it. Yeah. And uh, you have a US television series possibly coming up, is it? You've, it's a very good chance. I know or? nothing. I know nothing. Look, yeah, all these things. I've yeah. been in Hollywood so long and, and I've had been lucky enough to have a lot of TV over there. You know, I've had my specials on CBS, on yeah, MTV. Yeah. Uh, the last, I think, was, you know, I did my Discovery Channel series. I filmed uh, about a year ago now the uh, spin-off series of You're Back in the Room, Hypnotize Me for Fox. Great, uh, So yeah. we did 10 episodes of that. So we're still waiting on the scheduling of that. So yeah, that should be yeah. going out. And then there's rumours and rumblings that there might be more TV out there later this year. But you, you never say these things uh, until they're actually signed on yeah, the dotted line. Yeah, signed on the dotted line. Um, but yeah, there's, no, I'm, I spent a lot of time out in the US. Like I'm going back there early in February. Um, I was just in Bally's Hotel in Vegas performing there as well. Wow. So I suppose people don't realise. Like I've spent at least six months of every year for most of my career in LA, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, doing stuff out there. So I do quite a lot of work out there anyway, but also like I'm traveling, I'm traveling uh, just in Dubai recently, doing gigs out there, mm. I've got some corporate work out there. Um, so it's all about wherever the suitcase brings you, you know? Yeah, and do you find audiences different in different countries by any chance or is there any kind yeah, of... Yeah, I, th I think we have a healthy level of skepticism here. Yeah, Like I'm yeah. a skeptic, you know, I, I say to people, look, yes, I'm going to fool you, I'm going to deceive you, but ultimately I'm an entertainer, that's my job. Yeah. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm psychic or pretend anything else, it's just for entertainment. Now, separately from that, I do a lot of mind coaching, I do a lot of keynote talks mm. about the power of the subconscious mind and stuff like that. And what I find is that we have a healthy level of skepticism here, which is good, as opposed to perhaps over in the US. I mean, especially in Vegas. In, in Vegas, uh, where I perform quite a bit, you know, people are open-minded and they just want to be entertained. So yeah. they're all the way in, there's no skepticism. Yeah. But then, you know, they probably should be a bit more skeptical out yeah. there when you know they've been deceived so much. You just have to look who's in charge. But look, exactly. at the end of the day, people get very political here and everywhere else. You know about you know use your vote, use it or lose them. They all use their vote in the UK and look at the mess they're in now. And they were deceived with Brexit over there. They were deceived by Donald Trump. So I just think people need to sit back a minute and uh, stop believing all this stuff that you know we're being fed basically. Yeah, and, and yeah. they don't even know. I mean, Pete, the general public just doesn't know that there's neuroscientists behind this. I mean, politicians, um, Facebook, Instagram, they have neuroscientists examining the, the chemistry of the brain and figuring out how to addict us all to the phones and have dopamine dumps and feel like we're missing something if we're not constantly checking Instagram and Facebook. I'm Keith Barry Official on Instagram and Facebook, by the way, if anybody <laughs> wants to follow me. Uh, but you know what I mean? Uh, so I think we just need to sit back and be careful. But I think we're ahead of it here a bit yeah. as far as people have that a healthy level of skepticism. So for the first 10 minutes of my show, I got to win an audience over here, yeah. whereas abroad, they're already fully in from the get-go. I'd say they're know? dying to catch you out here, are they? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, but I kind of like that. You know, I invite those people up on the stage. Yeah. I say, where's the skeptics? Where's the people who want to catch me out? Yeah. They're the people I want up on stage. So, yeah. uh, and, and I think it's great because then you get those people up on stage and like, you know, they're like, you're not going to get me, Barry. And then five minutes later, uh, you know, I'm telling them, you know, the name of their first pet and their mother's maiden name. And yeah, then I'm doing yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff to them. And then, you, but when you see that reaction from a skeptic, then I think in your heart as an audience member, you know, okay, well, this is real, as real as it can be, yeah. given the fact that I'm saying I'm a deception artist. Yeah. And that confuses people too. <laughs> and there's 10 grand to win on this show, is there? Yep, yep. yep. Uh, so in one of the routines, 
basically I invite five audience members up and we play this game where one person's telling the truth and four people are lying. Right. And it's a very simple game. And, and the idea is if I can't figure out who is lying versus who's telling the truth, they walk away with 10,000 euros cash. And, you know, I think, <laughs> I genuinely think one night I'll probably lose. You know, so it's a real battle between me and the people on stage. And that tension is really Yeah, good. because that's it. It's like, I'd say they are just locking down their minds Oh, yeah, big completely. time. But actually, weirdly enough, I kind of have to tell them to block it down because they're having so much fun at that stage. Yeah, there, yeah. There's a lot of tells going on on the stage. Yeah. And I'm trying to tell them, Nick, take this seriously. I will give you. 10,000 euros. It's not fake money. It's not monopoly money. Yeah. You know, uh, we've got a security guard there just in case anybody has any ideas. He brings the cash. And then if somebody wins the cash, uh, we, we've agreed with MCD, the promoter, like it's my cash. Yeah. But ultimately, that uh, the security guard will escort that person home because, you know, it's 10 grand. Everyone will be what, after every, them, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, then, uh, <laughs> and then from my perspective, we got a security guard with the cash. So he takes it with us on the road. Yeah. And you don't want to mess with this guy. He looks like somebody from ZZ Top. Really? Shaving head and stuff. I wouldn't mess with him. I barely talk to him. So this, this tour could work out very expensive if you don't do your job this right. This is the problem. You yeah. know, it's like 30 dates and it's 10 grand a night. I can't afford to give away 300 grand. That's no. for sure. So I haven't lost it yet. I came close one night though. Really? Uh, yeah, just a couple of nights ago in, in Derry, I did come close yeah. you know, because the people on the stage were really good. Towards the end, two of them were really good. So I was kind of going between the two, trying to figure out who was who, yeah. uh, who was telling the truth and who was lying. And ultimately, I figured it out. And I'm delighted to say we put an extra date on sale in Galway as well. Brilliant. So, uh, so people can check out Galway because we just stuck an extra date on sale there. Yeah, too, you know? happy days. Well, listen, have you got any more uh, magic tricks to blow me away well, yeah, with so now? I, so I came up with this the other day and I thought it'd I'm be interesting. I'm addicted now. <laughs> but you know the way, I, yeah, I suppose my job is to hack into minds and read minds and all that yes. kind of stuff. Now, I love magic as well, okay? And there's some magic in this show too. Hmm. So ultimately, uh, not only am I going to try and figure out a thought of yours in a moment, you're going to figure out a thought of mine. Okay. Now, when you're starting off at this, which you are right now, okay, yeah. you have to kind of limit your options. Because if yeah. I just thought my first kiss right now and you were to guess it, you wouldn't get it because, you know, it's too difficult. So what we're going to do is use a deck of cards here. Right. 52 different cards in a random mix. Mm -hmm. You can examine them. You can shuffle them. Also, uh, you can have a look at the backs, make sure they're not marked in any way. The way they can check or you can check to make sure they're not marked. You just flip through like this, and if you see any discrepancies, like a cartoon book, then you know they're marked. If they all look the same, then you know they're not marked. So you mm -hmm. can see through there. No discrepancies. Yep. And no discrepancies. Yeah. Okay. Story but you can have a look yourself, and you can also shuffle them, examine them, do what yep. you want with them, but just give them a mix up when you're done. Okay. Now, in a moment, after you mix them up, I'm going to do something with you, a little visualization experiment. Now, this may or may not work. It's just an experiment. So don't feel bad if it doesn't work, okay? okay. It's all on <laughs> you, this whole thing. Right. Okay? So I'll take them back. Now, in a moment, I'm going to go through them one at a time. Mm-hmm. And anytime you want, you just say stop when you see one that you like. And I need you to stare at it for about three seconds to embed it into your subconscious mind. So I'll mm -hmm. go through them. When you see one you like, just call it stop. I'm looking away. Remember, she shuffled them. Stop. This one or this mm -hmm. one? Uh, this one? This one. This one here? Yeah. Okay, I need you to stare at that for like a full three seconds, two seconds, one. Got it? Mm hmm Okay, shuffle them again. So think about this now. You shuffle them. You didn't even take out a card. You examine them, and you're just thinking of a card right now. Mm -hmm. So this time I'm going to do the same. You're going to show the deck to me. So just hold them up, face it towards me, and spread through them. So like this, spread right. through them so I can see them. Go ahead, spread. Okay. okay, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Stop. Okay, uh, that one will do me. Close them up. And mix them up again. Shuffle them up. So now I'm thinking of a card. And right now, at this moment in time, you don't know what it is. And you're thinking of a card, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. And here's the thing. I'm going to tell you my card. You're going to tell me. But we're just going to do it with our minds. So I'll take back the deck. So 
uh, focusing when your character was red or black. Now imagine a screen here, and just because you stared at it a moment ago, it should be fresh in your mind, and project that card onto the screen, but don't say anything. Right, so I'm thinking of my card. Your card, yeah, yeah. whatever you think your card is, mm -hmm. project it onto the screen for me. Just think about it, it's red or black. Don't say anything, just think about it, it's red or black. I think it's black. Okay, think about it, it's high or low, 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 low. Okay, I'm gonna go with this one for you. I'm gonna put it down here, okay? Mm -hmm. I'll put it right there. Okay, here's where it gets interesting. This time, you're not even gonna look at the deck. You're going to take the deck like this, and you're just going to deal them one at a time into my hand from the top. Yeah. And you can shuffle them again, by the way. Go ahead and, okay. if you want to. And then you can deal them one at a time from the top. And when you ever, whenever you just feel the gut instinct that you know that you're at my card, whichever one you think is my card, you're just going to put it face down here, okay? okay. So start dealing them here. And whenever you want, just put one down so there. So I'm dealing them face up towards face you. Down. Face down. Face down. So you don't even see them yourself. Oh. So, so you're just going to use your gut instinct. Oh my God, Keith. And I'm projecting my card to you in your fingertips, even though you shuffle the deck, you should just know. You should okay. just know. Whenever you feel the time is right, you can go fast, you can go slow, it's up to you. Whenever you know that that card is mine, whichever card you think is mine, you're just going to put a face down there. Okay. Just use your gut instinct, your intuition. You'll just know. You'll just know that it's the right one. I feel like... No, just use your intuition. Okay. Don't even talk. Just whenever you... And obviously, you can go all the way to the end, but then you have to be on the last one. So it's up to you. Anytime you want. Okay, yeah, this one. This one? Don't yeah. look at it. Just put it down there. Now, do you want... You leave it there. Do you want to swap that out for a different one? Or are you happy with that one? Uh, yeah, I think I'll go with that one. Okay, good. Yeah. Now... This is impossible. You shuffle them up, okay? We just thought of cards. Yeah. Then you shuffle them again, I think. And then you dealt them, and then you just went with that one. But here's the interesting thing. You could have had any card. I could have had any card. But imagine this. Imagine this, that two minds are kind of like two halves of a brain, our two halves. And imagine the two minds coming together, because this is really interesting. Mm -hmm. This was your card. Yeah. Like the one I took out for your card. What was your card? Go ahead. King of Hearts. King of Hearts. Yeah. Boom. Exactly what I got. <laughs> Now here's the weird thing about you thinking of the King of Hearts. See, my favorite card in a deck of cards, and it has been for a long, long time, is the King of Diamonds. Let's see how you do. The King of Diamonds, the exact one that you stopped at. King of Hearts, King of Diamonds, the two mates. No in the way. Deck. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh my God. How did you do it? I don't know. I kind of, <laughs> like, I don't know. I was kind of feeling a draw on my hand. Yeah. But at the same time, I was feeling a draw early on as well. But I was like, oh, no, I'll ignore that. Um, well, it's just as well, because if you got one above or one below, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I kind of just felt it in my hand to just pick up. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, you've truly messed with my mind now Good. for the rest of the week. <laughs> Can't wait to see the show. Thank you so much for coming for in me. and melting my mind today. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> That's it from me. I'm still trying to work out how Keith Barry did it. If you want to see for yourself um, how he performed all these brain hacking skills, I mean, you can catch the filmed version of the show up on entertainment.ie. Next week, I'll be trying to find out all the secrets from the First States Ireland restaurant from the show's Maitre D, Matteo and Waiter Pete. Catch you then.